Welcome to the Priory Learning Trust podcast, TPLT Talks. Hello everybody, welcome to podcast number four. I hope you've all had a really good start to term. We're, what are we now, we're about two and a, two and a bit weeks in. Um, it's been really busy. I know everybody's been flat out um, getting ready for the year. I know we've had a fantastic open evening at Priory last week. That was really good to see huge numbers coming in there. And I know we've got Will and King Alf's uh, open evenings coming up in the next couple of weeks. But anyway, today, um, with me today, we've got two of our careers colleagues. I'm going to let them introduce themselves um, so that you can put voices to names. I'm sure we won't have too much difficulty distinguishing between these two. Um, but yeah, let's get on with it, shall we? Over to you. Hi everyone, my name's James Wilmot. I'm Director of Careers at the Priory Learning Trust. Brilliant, thank you. Hi, and I'm Stacey Leatherby. I'm the Careers Advisor at King Alfred's. Fantastic. So careers, um, what's, what's it all about? Um, you know, I think back to my time in school and, you know, we all had that 10 minute interview with somebody in a cupboard somewhere down a dark corridor um, that was usually way off at the time, as, as I remember it. So, so what what's careers all about now? Then why do we need a director of careers and three careers advisors across our trust? Everyone's got a terrible, terrible careers anecdote from when they were at school. Um, we all got given duff advice, as far as I can tell. I've never heard good stories, um, but we do things differently across the PLT because we really need it, and the students deserve it. Um, it's really, really important that, in addition to the curriculum and the subjects they they cover and attend at school, that they really build those really strong employability attributes that when they leave us, they can bounce out to college, university, apprenticeships or work and, and be happy, healthy, successful working people. So it's a really key part of provision, basically, James, is what you're telling me. It's, it's something that, that we absolutely need within the trust and actually within all schools. Absolutely. It's, it's in our DNA across the trust that, you know, Stacey, Lisa, Jody, and I, we're not teachers, we're not on timetable, we're there most of the week to provide events and activities, opportunities and choices for students, as well as the one-to-one work that we do with all year groups um, and including the primaries with the year five interview challenge. So it's about normalizing the world of work, normalizing our students meeting new people and stepping outside of their comfort zones, being brave and curious. Brilliant. So normalizing the world of work, I, I get that entirely. What what brought you into careers advice then? You both, perhaps both of you. Perhaps we go James first and, and then on to Stacey. Okay. Um, I am a psychology graduate. Spent a couple of years in retail. Worked for Hamleys of London. Worked in recruitment for 10 years. The recession put that to pay. So I joined a public sector career service to help people at risk of redundancy. Then I joined further education to look after apprenticeships. Got a real flavor for that. And then the opportunity came up at PCSA to become careers advisor there. Uh, so thankfully, Neville hired me. And I did that for a couple of years. And as new schools joined the trust, the model was expanded because it worked. It worked really well. Um, so when World joined us, we hired Lisa to look after uh, careers there and Stacy at King Alfred. And it's, it's gone on from there, really. And we're, you know, we're, we're looked upon by other schools, other trusts, um, and various government organizations as being kind of the go-to guys for a you know, really good careers program. 
Brilliant. We'll unpick that a bit in a minute then, James. So, Stacey, uh, how did you end up taking on this role then? What's your background? Um, so, I started at King Alfred six years ago now. Um, started as a cover supervisor. It was quite clear to me when I first started that actually standing in front of a class of 30 wasn't what I wanted to do but I absolutely loved working with the students and I just wanted to be able to do what I could to help them more but on a more one-to-one basis Um, and I guess I was just fortunate that the careers advice um, a careers advisor post came up at the right time for me it's something I sidestepped into something I wouldn't have ever thought I would have been going into but it gave me a fantastic opportunity to work with the students on a more one-to-one basis. Um, I live locally and I'm part of the community. King Alphys is part of my blood. I'm just so passionate about the school but the students and I'm just really fortunate that I get to work with the students now on that one-to-one basis to be able to help them with aspirations and just get to know the students. The biggest thing for me is getting to know all of our students really on an individual basis so I can help fulfil their future plans. So it's about relationships is what you what I'm hearing you say a lot of here. Um, something that ultimately schools are about, aren't they? Building Absolutely. those strong relationships with young people so that we can understand them and mm-hmm. guide them in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, tutors and teachers, heads of year have got great relationships with the students, but to have us on hand as you know, support staff to be able to help guide and support students and their families as well, because we offer careers advice to families if they need it, um, because we've got that time, we've got the resource and the connections. So we're there to add an extra thick layer of pastoral support across the, the trust of schools, of which other schools um, in other areas don't have. Brilliant. You, neither of you started off in careers. You, you clearly at school, when you met your careers advisors, didn't plan to be careers advisors. <laughs> um, is the, you know, you both described your route in. Is careers advising, uh, do you need a qualification for it? Do you, you know, how does it work? Depending on what kind of careers advice um, you, you provide, it could be kind of uh, on a national contract, uh, but certainly in school you need a, a level six qualification to be a qualified careers advisor. Um, so that's absolutely vital that last year, Lisa, Stacey, Jody, and I got through that during covid um we did congratulations all well thank you very much um but yeah back back in the day back in school i did not consider being a careers advisor i spent my last year of school at priory and uh, miss mcgill brought in a careers machine the size of a ford fiesta to kind of fill out a careers questionnaire feed it in and tree surgeon popped out the other end didn't fancy that but i don't know stacy we we what were your career aspirations when you were in year 11 um i when i get asked this question I remember being in school and my thought was, I never knew what I wanted to do, but I always said, I want to work with children. I want to help them. I want to, I just love it. I I really do. I love being able to work with young people to feel like you make a difference, as cheesy as that sounds. um, It's not just said for the podcast. It's not just said to try and make me sound good or anything else that is truly what I said I didn't know where I wanted to go I looked at social work and I looked at all different things but I knew I wanted to work with young people to make a difference and fortunately I'm in that position now to do so brilliant and, and you know a level six study is no mean feat whilst you're doing your job either so genuine congratulations to Thank both you. of you and and to your other colleagues as well uh Lisa and Jody. so Thank you very uh, much yeah it's great news okay brilliant it's, it's good to know a little bit about the people who are doing the podcast so that we get a little bit of uh, 
understanding of who you are and what you're about. And I think that was a really good intro from you two guys then about how you ended up where you are and your passion actually for supporting young people is clear. Um, you know, you talked a lot there about supporting young people, helping them be the best they can be, supporting families, sorting out their, their career aspirations and opening their eyes perhaps to some of the things that, that are available to them beyond school. What does that actually mean on the ground? What do you, what do, you do every day? Okay, a lot of our students might come from generational unemployment, um, so they have no concept of, of the workplace or have any kind of value of education in their families. So it's really important from the bottom up, we provide a really positive example to them. Um, and uh, we do that by running a series of events and activities like work experience, college taster days, um, open evenings, uh, mock interview days, all sorts of different things, interviews just with us from year five and up. And that's really important just, again, like I said earlier on, just to normalize things with the students so they get to know people and they can learn to engage with people so that they can kind of step out of school and have the strength of their convictions. That They've explored their options. They might have a bit of a plan. We don't, we're not looking for a 100% lockdown plan, um, far from it, but we want them to be able to step out of school into further education or apprenticeships and be happy. Um, but it's the events and activities are fun and they're big, sometimes quite scary and stressful for us to run, but they're beneficial for the students. But, you know, Stacey, it's, it's about, I think it's really about the one-to-one -one work in between ev all of that that's the real key. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And no two one-to-ones are ever the same and there's nothing more satisfying when you meet a student and you learn about them, you learn about their family, but at the end, you start with them in year seven and you meet them and you do their dream job. And I love that in some ways they've still got their innocent mind to think big, dream big. Um, and as we know, as they get older, that does sometimes shrink down a little bit to what their aspirations might be. But it's nice to be able to then reflect back to year seven when we met them and said, but you said you wanted to be a pilot or where's that changed? How's that changed? And sometimes it's for genuine reasons and new interests, but sometimes they just lose themselves. And it's nice that we've built those relationships from year seven that they know we know them um, and they trust us as well. And that's the lovely thing. And there's nothing that warms your heart more than when in year 11 they leave and then they come back or you get an email to say I got that apprenticeship or you know work experience that I done in year 10 they came back to me and they've offered me a place and it's just again it's just about the relationships it's about being part of the school team that students know who we are from day one and that really makes a difference to not only making my job easier um, but for the students it absolutely pays dividends on that. And I think that's why we do a lot of work with the younger year groups, exactly just as you said, because in year five and year seven, year eight, the students are in some ways kind of braver and bolder and more compliant. So they'll show up for anything. So if we run a big gig, we'll encourage the year sevens and eights to attend because we can reflect back on that in year 10 and say, you know, well, you did it in year seven, you did it in year eight, you can do it again. So we like to instill a sense of careers as early as possible, not in a prescriptive way, but in a participatory way. And it works really well. You you've, you both talk quite a lot about running events mm. um, and obviously I know some of those events that you, you've been involved in. Um, you know, what are they? What are, what, are you, what, are, what are you aiming to do with those events? What events do you run? Tell us, tell us about it. Um, so as James mentioned, we do start from year five with our primaries, which is just lovely. Just speaking about their dream job, their aspirations. What do they know about jobs? Um, 
getting to know their families we then move into year seven when they join us and straight away again it's about that presence them knowing where we are who we are and talking about their dream jobs we we do little mock interviews with them which sounds scary and lots do come nervous but by the end of it they're walking out smiling and it's just about again knocking those barriers down so when by the time we get to year 11 and they're doing interviews and job interviews they're fine with it most of them can walk in head held high and come out and the confidence is there um year eight we like to take them out to universities again it sounds early but again it's about exploring opportunities and just getting them thinking about why they're doing and studying what they're doing where it could lead to um raising those aspirations early on 100 percent um and you see that and it's it's been nice to see over the last few years actually by starting early on with them how the aspirations have raised how they are so much braver and that's something I end most of my presentations when I see students is it's about being brave it's about being putting yourself out there without taking the opportunities you don't know what options you have Um, year nine is about options but again we reflect back on the year seven interviews in year nine and ask them if we're still heading in the same direction if um, if they've changed with regards to their career aspirations Sometimes they have, as we know, we've had COVID that has had an impact on some of our students. And so this year, it's massively about the resetting. It is about that presence again and offering them as many opportunities and options as we can. Year 10 and 11 are obviously our biggest years with regards to the events because it comes down to work experience, which is just invaluable to all our students and I don't think I've ever had a student come back and say I hated that week they might not have done the work that they expected as we all know from going to work not every two days are the same but they all come out knowing that it's valued so work experience not everywhere does work experience now am I right that's correct I mean a lot of schools started to phase it out a few years ago because it is very very expensive and to do it right it takes a lot of time and planning to run health and safeties coach the students through it Um, certainly during COVID um, with you know, not stupid students not being able to go to the workplace has been a real challenge. So many providers have launched like a virtual work experience platform, which we trialed last year or the year before. It wasn't. It, it, it's not it's, the same deal. No, nah, it's, it's it's like looking at a burger. You can you can see a burger, but you know you might even be able to smell it, but you can't taste it. Um, and that's what work experience is, because like Stacy said, with the bravery, often building up to work experience, we'll get a call from a parent saying, you know. Johnny can't do it, he's not confident enough, so he won't be doing work experience this year. Then my response will be, well, confidence comes from bravery, and bravery takes a step forward, and then confidence comes from that. So be brave, do mock interview day, do work experience, go to college for the day, try out a sixth form, and then the confidence will follow. But it's taking that step forward, and that's what we're there for. We're kind of the safety net, we're we're their biggest fans. We'll sometimes cheat behind the scenes, um, to make things a little bit easier for a student to move into work experience or mock interview day. Um, but they don't know that. So as far as they're concerned, they did it all themselves. Yeah. How often do we do that in education? Just just guiding them. It's about building their confidence. All of this is about building their confidence, isn't it? Absolutely. And giving them a set of skills Yeah. so that they can go out into the world. So, you know, the, the more I listen to you talk about it, the more I realise that actually this is just an integral part of what we do in schools. Yeah. That's That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, that's outstanding. Uh, you, you mentioned there, James, that oh, I mentioned actually that not everybody does work experience, but there must be guidelines nationally um, or maybe a standard, is there? 
That's right, that's right. The Gatsby benchmarks are eight benchmarks of careers guidance quality that schools should adopt and, um, and meet, and that's policed by the Careers and Enterprise Company. Uh, happily, the Priory Learning Trust careers offer is 100% Gatsby compliant, and those, en- those benchmarks could be anything from, number one, having a stable careers programme, and nearly 75% of schools don't have that, wow. which I think is absolutely nuts. And does, does that come down to money? Is, it, is that the bottom line? People don't value it enough, therefore they don't put the budget to it? Is I think it comes down to money. It comes down to school ethos. It comes down to staffing. I know some schools that still don't have a stable careers programme and they've got a careers advisor on staff. Okay. Um, which to me, again, I think it's nuts. Um, but, um, but yeah, the stable careers programme, things like... Um, meeting the needs of each student, so reaching out to our SEN students, looked after children, pupil premium, risk of needs. So we, we do that. Everyone gets the same offer, work experience, everything. Um, other benchmarks are contact with employers and experience of the world of work. So that's your work experience right there. Other benchmarks are contact with further education providers, um, all the way up to benchmark eight, which is having access to a qualified careers advisor. So we meet all of those eight benchmarks 100%. It's been externally verified. We're really, really proud of it. It's always a, it's always a project in progress. You know, we're never just going to stop. We're resetting things after COVID now, and we're rolling out some new activities because the guidance changes constantly, where at the moment there's a new focus um, and new suggestions that schools should be more inclusive to further education providers to make sure that all offers get promoted that's something that we're doing across our schools. Not a problem at all. We are super, super inclusive. Yeah, giving just giving them all the options. Yeah, absolutely, because the, 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 the students and their families deserve it. We shouldn't be blocking off options because we don't see their value. Um, if they're a high-quality, solid, valid option, absolutely, get it in. Um, things like there should be an extra focus on apprenticeships this year. Yeah. That's quite right, too. So we're going to run an apprenticeship academy in February um, to give students interest in apprenticeships one-to-one guidance on that. Year eight students next year, they're gonna get um, a bit of a taste of business with some entrepreneurs that are gonna zoom into class across the whole year groups, I hope, in the spring. They're gonna get given an invention challenge. So they're gonna come up with their own business, their own product, come up with their own brand, and hopefully the winners can compete against each other across the three schools. Dragon's Den, Styley. Yeah, Yeah. and we're gonna have a blast. We're gonna get some real movers and shakers in. It's gonna be, and that's what we do. We make it, we take the guidance, we don't, keep it as dry as it is, contact exposure and LMI. We turn it into something that's accessible and fun for the students to participate in, and we do it in such a stealthy way that it it just works, and it's good fun to do. As you were talking there a lot about um, contact with employers, contact with further education, it struck me that that a lot of colleagues within the subject departments are always looking for those kind of links. So actually you guys are going to be could be really key key drivers for departments who are looking to expand um, colleagues who might want links at universities or links with local employers in their sector. Is that something you do? Yes, definitely. Um, only last week, actually, I was in touch with our geography and science department because an outreach uh, local employer was offering some opportunities to go and explore. It was Wessex Water, actually. Um, which may I add are fantastic supporters of the school. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to <laughs> say no, plug that. away, Stacey, um, plug away. It's not a plug, but yeah, we've got we're very fortunate that we do have an enterprise coordinator that supports the school. 
um, and he is brilliant. And they, so I can only give back as well. And they've offered to allow students to go and look around. And yeah, that's sorry. Going back to what you said, we do. I link with the, each department, offer them opportunities if they want to take them. If it sits well with what they're, if it can fit in, sorry, with their learning cycles, and just help also give the students opportunities. James, yeah. we've got recorded zooms with employers that link careers to a specific curriculum. You know, we've got the posters that we put up on every notice board. Yeah, they're great. They're everywhere, aren't they? And, and yeah. you know, the past students and what they do now, really aspirational again. Yeah, it's normalising success. And, you know, I, I know some of our ex-students have gone on to do extraordinary things, but that's not going to be everyone in the real world. We want to normalise success and hard work. So we'll have a poster for someone who runs their own shop. We'll have a poster for someone who's the chief engineer in the Red Arrows. Yeah. But as long as you're setting an example and making good in the world, then there's a place on the Hall of Fame for you. Fantastic. Stacey, you used the phrase help there. Um, I kind of sat here thinking to myself, how do you do this with four of you? Sure, uh, you know, you're covering an awful lot of bases and actually about 5,000 students, if we include, I know you don't go all the way down to the to, to the reception students, but you know, we, we've got over, <laughs> not yet, yeah, big aspirations. Yeah. We've got over 4,000 secondary school students. How do you cover this with, with four people and... and do you need to draw on others at times? Sometimes we draw on others because we've got a really good stakeholder network. So the local colleges and sick forms and our employers and our alumni, we're always building those links using kind of our social media platforms. So we've got a, a big group of friends around us that we can call on and work with. But yeah, we've got a really good careers program that we tend to pilot at PCSA and then we roll out to Whirl and TCASA um, make it easy. It's standardised in some ways, but every school has its own flavour. Sure. So Stacey and Lisa and Jody, they make their own adjustments to fit in with the, the vibe of the school. Um, and it, it, it works really well. The job is, with the right contacts and the right team, well done Stacey, um, it, it makes it easy. Because the students are on board with maybe a little bit of help. And the staff see the value as well. Um, sometimes we we are this kind of nebulous um kind of structure around curriculum and sometimes I expect maybe some staff don't quite get what we do but when they do get to know us and they understand it a little bit more it, it kind of makes sense. Well hopefully they'll have a much better idea about what you do after today because you're doing <laughs> a pretty so. good uh, pretty good job of explaining it to us here. So uh, as with everything in school we we measure most things that we do. Um, is there are there any metrics that you work to to, to kind of identify you've been successful? Unfortunately, yeah. Um, it, because we're pastoral, I, I don't like percentages as a rule because it's, a, it's about each and every student. But if you, if you take it down to the sum of its parts, it's students leaving our schools um, and our sick form into employment, education and training. If they're not, then they're neat. So, for example, for the last three years in a row uh, at Whirl and Priory, we've had less than 1% neat leaving the Year 11 cohort. And at TCASA, just about 3% NEAT, which is well below the national average of 4.2% wow. across the country. So we're really proud of that. And those students that we know left us who are NEAT, we've got those partnerships with the local councils and training providers so we can all work together as soon as they identify. If they don't bounce into educational training when they leave us, we can respond immediately and offer lots more additional support to the student and their families. So 
neat is neat is a is a key phrase that, that I'm obviously very familiar with. A lot of colleagues might not be. Um, and actually, it's one of the things we're thinking about with our alternative provision offer that we're looking to develop um, over the next 12 months, probably a, a centre in Highbridge and a centre in Weston. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for those young people that are particularly challenged um, and find school particularly challenging, they're often the ones who end up neat, aren't they? Yeah. So they, they are they're clearly a really key group for you to work with. And, and this alternative provision idea is something you'll want to get heavily involved in, I presume. Absolutely. It's really important to support every student in every way we can to make sure they leave us and go to something appropriate, um, be it an apprenticeship or uh, a college. So, yeah, we will be working with the um, with this provision and make sure we can do everything we can to help them bounce out into something that makes them happy, gives them a bit of success. Brilliant. What's next? You you mentioned earlier on um, the your enterprise idea this year for year eight. You know what what's on the horizon? I remember that I remember at the summer last year you you organised the whole NCS thing for the entire year eleven, which I'm I'm pretty sure wasn't on the on the job description anywhere, James. But <laughs> but but was a was a massive um, activity that I know supported an enormous number of students and staff actually. So you know you got any other big plans this year? Um, I think we could have retired after the NCS project with a four-week build-up um, for um, planning and delivery. We could have uh, retired on our, rested back on our laurels with that one. But no, this you could year, always go into event planning, James, couldn't you? After that one, that I think we kind of do. I think that's our bag. But uh, moving forward this year, it's all about reset. Nothing dramatically different. Sure. Um, but certainly this side of Christmas, we're going to be planning the apprenticeship academy. We're going to be planning that enterprise challenge for our year eight students. We've got an awful lot of one-to-ones to run to make sure that our Year 11 students are applying to hopefully multiple destinations to really shop around and explore their options. Um, then it's the big build-up to Stacy's work experience in March here at TCASA. Uh, we've got College Taster Days running um, at Whirl and Priory at Western College and Bridgewater College in November. And I've got a, I've got a pet project at Whirl and Priory for the first week of our half-term. Um, we're going to do a mini NC. I can't help myself. We're doing a mini NCS for the first week Brilliant. of our two-week half term at Whirlin Priory, as well as um, some mini trips out to the specialist colleges in Bristol. Opt in because it's half term, but I want to give students and families the opportunity to jump on a bus, explore all their options and really shop around. Brilliant. Look, I think you've given us a really good flavour of, of what you do. And, and act, actually, we've got as a trust, we're incredibly lucky, I think, to have you both and, and your team. Um, you know, we've clearly got an outstanding careers provision. Um, and as you said, it probably does go under the radar a little bit and people don't necessarily notice it. Um, but it, I know it has a huge impact on our young people. So, you know, thank you for all that you do and you continue to do. Um, and for those colleagues out there who's, who wonder, you know, they walk past Stacey on a daily basis in her desk in the in the foyer area here in, in King Alves <laughs> and wonder what she does all day. Um, I think they've probably got a better idea now, Stacey, right? Yeah, hopefully. I don't sit looking out the window all day, every day. I do do some work in between. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for your time today. Um, and I look forward to, to watching what goes on this year. I'd be really particularly the careers, um, the enterprise of the year eight. I'm really excited about that. I'd like to like to talk more about that when we get a chance off here. Definitely. That's going to be an absolute blast. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Nathan. Excellent. Thank you. Take care now. Cheers. The podcast. Uh, massive thanks to our guests today. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, if you'd like to contribute, if you'd like to email me, my okay. email address is nathan.jenkins 
at theplt.org.uk. This has been the Primary Learning Trust Podcast, TPLT Talks. <laughs>